Untash Sultana and Dances on the Hill, M.M. July 28th, 2022, continued. Last night I slept in what must be Lily's old bedroom. Lily is Emma and Eric's youngest. There's enough of an age difference between us that I don't think I ever saw the inside of this room until yesterday. All the rooms are changed now, of course. They live on as guest rooms no longer displaying the personalities of the children who once lived, laughed, and cried between their four walls. It's funny. Growing up, I was closest with the older two kids, but it's been Lily that I've connected with most in adulthood. Once a little girl with long auburn hair, they now sport a cropped short cut and androgynous clothes, introducing their various partners as they. Lily lives near my brother Joseph in Seattle, and she and came out to visit us when I was staying out, out there last fall. We antagonized Joseph with conversation about transgender politics and polyamory. I feel like Lily and Lily's siblings are my extended family. Cousins, perhaps. I sure saw them more growing up than I did my real cousins out in Southern California. I saw my real family, too, yesterday. After settling in at the house, we drove our Komunoto with Quebec plates past the Trump signs to my parents' home. My brothers haven't arrived yet, but my nieces and nephews were there, and Mindy actually stayed to say hello. I was surprised by how happy I was to see my sister. Our hugs did something that our words can never achieve, no matter how many conversations we have. My stomach lurched a bit when I noticed the letter to my family she had left out for all to see, words like angry and misunderstood flashing across my vision. But somehow in the few hours that we spent together yesterday, I saw that this is her. It's all her. These are her crosses to bear, her triumphs and failures, and I'm done taking any of it personally. Well, likely I'm not done. But I didn't feel the need for any words, just smiles and hugs. No talk of COVID, vaccines, or anything else political. It was good that my brothers weren't here yet. They won't be seeing her either. She headed out early this morning to beat the traffic home. They're going to flip when they see her letter. I love Montreal, but it feels amazing to be out of the city. On Monday night before I left, I met up with Gail and the other women staying in her home, my old home, for her summer training. We went down to Chinatown, battling tourists for parking spots. We showed the out-of-towners where to get bao buns and bubble tea, and then we made our way to the old port. Gail bribed Felix into videotaping and photographing our performance. We posed by the Ferris wheel and on the cobblestone streets, getting yelled off the no-longer-working-so-who-cares train tracks by a couple of police officers. People paused in the streets so we could get the pictures, and instead of complaining, at the end they clapped. We didn't discuss abusive husbands. For the first time in a long time, I felt refreshed after seeing her, lighter than when I had started. I'm beginning to learn to meet people where they are, when to be vulnerable, when to allow them in, and how much. On Tuesday, I didn't see Mommy again. That's three weeks in a row, and I miss her like crazy. Every now and then it occurs to me that I would be within my rights to be resentful of the fact that the reason I can't see her is because some other girl gave her COVID. It's weird, though. I don't feel resentful. Mommy has the right to see other girls. Plus, the whole lockdown through, I was the only one she let into her bubble. She has been wearing a mask since before the rest of the world even knew what a mask was. I miss her, but I'm not resentful. Only glad that she didn't get too sick and super sad that I don't get to see her. Wow, I guess I'm really getting to be enlightened, huh?
We talked on the phone for hours instead. Eventually we parted ways and I decided to leave the house. The trip to Canela Sheen did me good. I allowed myself weed, and after my prolonged abstinence, yes, I'll call a week prolonged abstinence, it only took a few puffs for me to fly free, finding myself in the clouds. I danced on a hill to Tosh Sultana, imagining a fantasy where we meet in laughter and love. Tosh was a delightful discovery last month at the jazz festival. I never would have gone, but Gail dragged me out of the house right after I had been doored by that car. It was infatuation at first sight. With each instrument they picked up, I fell harder, entranced, bewitched. The music is otherworldly, the beat thumping like the blood in your veins. I want to join them in battle and smash the patriarchy side by side. In those few seconds where my brain receptors fire at just the right angle, making love to the cannabis that I've just inhaled, I hear myself purely. So how are you really, I asked myself. Pinch me, I'm not in crisis, I replied. I breathed in, out, in, out. The constant struggle to remove self from thoughts, to remove self from feelings, to remove self, period. I want to submit to the universe, I realized. I want to surrender. That's what I didn't understand all those years ago when I moved to Montreal in order to be my master's submissive. It was never about submitting to him. It was about submitting to life. Because that's the lesson over and over and over again. Submit to life. Accept what you can't control. Then do everything in your power to do the things you can. When I first moved here, I wanted to write a book. I wanted to write the next Fifty Shades of Grey. I finished the novel, actually. Made it through two drafts, complete with editorial suggestions from my friends. It's been sitting in my laptop, ignored for several years now. The thing is, it wasn't the right story. Ironically, my intention had been to show the difference between submission and abuse, to show BDSM at its best, but I didn't know the difference yet, and the story didn't show it. I'm writing a new story now. Love, M.M. -M.